A Bible reading is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, reading from verse 7 to 16. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed it. This is why, says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that, peop- so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become matured, attending to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and front by the whiffs and blown here and there by every wind of teachings and by the cunning and crafty of the people in their deceitful schemes. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Prince, uh, for reading. Uh, Please do keep your Bible open uh, in front of you. Let me pray. God, our Father, we thank you um, for your word, and we we thank you that you've given us the Spirit. We thank you that he lives in us, and we pray that he will be our teacher now as we look at this passage together, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, everybody at home. Um, On this Mission uh, Sunday, we now come to our series in the Holy Spirit on the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, The Spirit equips um, the church to reach people with the good news of Jesus. Um, Before we look at this passage, just a couple of things to say. Well, we we only have a brief time this morning to, to consider gifts, and um, so we're not going to be able to go into lots of detail, particularly about all the different specific gifts. My intention this morning is to try and basically lay, lay some foundations, um, give a bit of an introduction to the area of the gifts, and uh, we may have to come back to a longer series at one point around the, the specifics. Um, But firstly, let's just consider for a moment, uh, what are the gifts of the Spirit? Well, according to Ephesians 4, here's a a definition for us. Spiritual gifts 
are abilities given by the Holy Spirit to each believer to make us one body, one community, growing in Christ-like character. Maybe let's just break that down um, for a moment. Firstly, abilities. Abilities to serve one another. Verse 12 says, for works of service. If you look in the New Testament, there are um, a a number of lists uh, about the gifts. There's one here in Ephesians 4. uh, There's two in 1 Corinthians, chapters 12 and 14. There's Romans 12, and there's one in 1 Peter 4. If you look at the lists, um, they are all different, uh, and therefore they're not definitive, um, but rather they are, are selective. They're selective examples of the different types of gifts to illustrate um, the variety. There's lots of different ones. Um, But you might cluster them in in different groups, which can be helpful just to help us get our our head around it. There are communication gifts mentioned, things like evangelism, uh, teacher, pastor, as it says here. Um, There's word of knowledge, or what we might call the, the prophetic gifts. Um, Then there is the caring gifts, things around counselling and uh, encouragement, um, showing mercy, etc., what we might call the priestly um, gifts. And then there are uh, a cluster around what we call the command gifts, things to do with leadership, to do with direction, to do with administration and wisdom. And we might call those kingly, because a king commands. The church needs this variety And it strikes me that we need these for mission, don't we? We need them on a mission Sunday when we're thinking about mission. And, of course, we need them for days like this, uh, days in which we're in, with all the the turmoil and difficulty that we face. So there's a little brief introduction to to what they are. Um, But also it says, each believer. Did you notice in verse 7 it says but to each one of us so Paul uh, in the verses before our reading emphasized that we're all one in Christ we're we're one in him that's our unity Um, but there are huge variety in gifts that God has given his church Uh, and that can affect also the differences between churches because if you think about it a church is made up of people with different gifts and another church is made up with lots of different uh, gifts and so there will be often distinctions between um, churches but the main point is that every believer has a gift maybe they have you have more than one so that means it's not just for the clergy it's not just for the, the super keen, if you like. Um, but that's for all of us, each one of us. Uh, and uh, they, they will vary. Um, some will be um, up front, some will, won't be. Some will be more subtle than others. So uh, each believer, we all have a gift. Thirdly, did you notice the goal in that definition is to make us one body, one community, to make us Christ-like. Look at verse 12. It says that they're given to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity. 
in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. What is becoming mature? It's attaining, it says, to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the goal is to serve, is to to build us up, to make us one in Christ until we reach that unity um, together, different parts making one, and to make us Christ-like in character. That's what the fullness of Christ is alluding to. Now, it's really important to... uh, to mention, because uh, in our culture, in the, in the 21st century, particularly 21st century London, we tend to focus, don't we, on uh, people's ability to do things. Um, we're less concerned about character, uh, and we tend to be more concerned with, well, can you deliver Uh, We see this worked out in the places of work, don't we? Or we see it worked out in politics as as well. People are less concerned about character. They just want to know, well, can you do the job? Um, People are are about skills and about abilities and about giftedness. But here, the point of spiritual gifts is not that. Is not on the perfection of those skills. It's about actually what they produce in us, how they make us one in Christ, how they produce Christ-like character in us. So a spiritual person is not someone with certain gifts. No, it's someone with a certain character, someone with a Christ-like character. So there you are, there's a bit of a, a, an overview of what gifts are, are about. But what's the implications of that? What does that mean? Well, first of all, um, there are no passive Christians, are there? Verse 16, from the whole body, the whole church, joined and held together by every supporting lig- ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. There is work for you and me to do. Um, You have a part to play. Uh, And Paul wants us to take our gifts, along with our experiences, along with our gender and our ethnicity, and serve. Because there will be people only you can reach because of who you are and how God has gifted you. You see, if you're, if you're just attending church, just uh, taking in and not giving out, you're not living actually in accordance with the Spirit. Because verse 7 says, to each one of us grace has been given. Verse 16, as each part does its work. So there are certain things only you can do. I can't do, other people can't do, only certain things you can do, only certain people you can reach, only certain cares that you can meet, certain insights that you can give to people. And the body needs you. We all need each other, held together by every supporting ligament. So that's the the first implication, no passive Christians. But secondly... Um, I think we can expect agitation. Expect some agitation. 
What do I mean by that? Well, as a, as a minister, in the course of time, people will come to me and they will say, um, they might write to me or, or, or tell me, um, this is what you need to do, or this is what's wrong with the church, and this is what you need to do. And that happens from time to time, that's okay. I'm pleased that people do that because it shows me that people do care. It actually shows me that they're not passive, that they want to engage. So I'm, I'm absolutely fine with that. And what I find that, that happens is that um, one person will come and say something like this. They'll say, Eddie, the problem is this. We're not reaching our community. We have significant areas in our parish where we're not reaching out with the gospel we need more evangelism. We need to be telling people about Christ. We need to go and tell. And then another person will come along and say this. Eddie, the problem is this. We're not reaching our community. We have significant numbers of poor and disadvantaged and vulnerable people. We need to be showing mercy and care for the needy. And then another person will come along and say, Eddie, the problem is this. We're not reaching our community. The church is full of, um, predominantly of middle-class uh, professionals who can lead strategically, but we need more practical uh, people who can connect with ordinary people. I could actually go on with a list, but ask ourselves what's going on. What's going on? Well, gifts will cause some agitation, won't they? Because all of these statements are right, aren't they? To some degree or, or another, they're all right. But what we see is three different people being exercised by three different gifting and three different gifting calling. They can identify the issues but they don't see the same things because they're motivated by three different gifts and three different callings. And so if you have a, a, a gift, you think you might have a gift in a particular area, I'd always encourage us to exercise it. But don't wait for the church. Look for different ways in which you can exercise it. That's the first thing, isn't it? Because as a church... We have to think through, don't we, what we can do or don't do collectively. We have limited time, limited resources. And if we did everything every time somebody came to me and said, we should do this or we should do that, then what would happen? We'd be going in different directions all the time in different places and it would fail. Priorities have to be set. Decisions have to be weighed. Expect some agitation. That's normal in a spirit-filled church. And we have to weigh and test things. So expect, expect some agitation. But thirdly, there's, there's no room for pride. Uh, verse 7, look at that. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So... Um, there can be no boasting, can there? There can be no uh, pride and arrogance, no jostling for position or saying this, is, this gift is better than this one. 
Yes, there's some agitation as we work out um, priorities together, but remember, they are gifts of grace, and grace is a gift. Uh, It's not something you have mustered up, something that you have learnt to do. Christ has apportioned them, and therefore they're there for the common good. There can be no boasting, there is no pride. They are gifts from the Holy Spirit. Fourthly, remember the spiritual fruit is the real goal. This is really important. Spiritual fruit is the real goal, not spiritual gifts. Because this is about being Christ-like in our character. If you think about what Christ was like in his character, what was it? It was love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. And you could add to the list humility and integrity and truth and all sorts of other aspects of what it means to be Christ-like. You see, no Christian has all the gifts, but all Christians should be bearing the fruit. Because that's the real goal. That's the real goal of spiritual gifts. You see, fruit is to do with with being, isn't it? It says it's to do with your being, your character, and gifts are to do with doing. Fruit is to do with your character, gifts are to do with skills, and we must never mistake one for the other. That's really important, because actually that's quite deadly to do. I Put it like this, I'll put it in my own context, if you like. I could stand here at the front and I could preach to you, I could exercise my gift as a pastor teacher. I could do that gift and you would see it. But on the inside, prayer life could be a disaster. I could be showing a lack of kindness and love towards my children and my wife. I could be harboring resentment and anger and bitterness in my heart. And you wouldn't know, would you? Because if you look at just the gifts, you're going to look to the wrong thing. You need to look to Christ-like character. So, don't make the mistake of focusing on spiritual gifts. They are a means to spiritual fruit. That is the ultimate goal, the end, is to be Christ-like. Which brings us finally to, thirdly, Gifts need to be used in love, don't they? They need to be used in love. Did you notice in the reading in verse 15, it said, Paul says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow. And verse 6, the body grows and builds itself up in love. You see, Paul never talks about spiritual gifts without talking about love. Uh, The clearest you see that is in 1 Corinthians 13, a whole passage on love, and it's sandwiched between talking about gifts on either side in chapter 12, 12 and 14. You see, if if you're passive as a Christian, not exercising your gifts, what is that actually ultimately? It's actually a lack of love, isn't it? Because gifts are for the common good, for building up God's people. Or or if you're demanding that your gift and your skill should be centre and we should be doing this thing, 
then actually that's demanding, isn't it? And ultimately that's an example of a lack of love because love is patient and kind and enduring. So how do we get this love as we exercise gifts together? Well, it's there in the passage, right in the middle, quite a difficult bit to understand and get our heads around. Verse 8, this is why it says, quoting Psalm 68, when he ascends on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascend mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended on higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, the evangelists, pastors and teachers. In other words, he gave gifts. Now what does this mean? Well, in ancient times, the king would go out into battle and he would fight, wouldn't he? He'd fight the invaders and if he won he would do what? He would come back in victory and he would ascend to the throne, ascend to the throne in glory. And as he would ascend, he would distribute the spoils of the victory to his people. He'd distribute literally the gifts to his people. And did you see what Paul is saying here? Jesus is our king, isn't he? Jesus is our king who went into battle to face what? To face the enemies of sin and death for us. He descended to the earthly. He came as a man and he died on a cross. He descended to death on a cross to defeat sin and death for us so we could come into relationship with him so that we could know forgiveness of sins. And just as the king brought back gifts after the battle when he ascended to the throne as king, King Jesus brings gifts to his people. And that's what he did, isn't it? At Pentecost, he poured out his spirit upon us. He gifted his church, the very presence of God. And as we think about exercising our gifts, we exercise them because of the ultimate love of what Jesus had did, had did for, has done for us on the cross. So spiritual gifts must be shaped by Christ's love for us. And if you're a believer, if you've trusted in Jesus as Lord and Saviour, as the one who's freed you from sin and death, the one who had descended and then ascended for us, you have the Spirit's And he will gift you. Let's pray, shall we? God, our Father, we thank you so much for your words. There's so much we could say um, here about the gifts. Father, we we pray that over uh, weeks and months uh, ahead, we may may continue to discern what gifting you've given us and, and how we may be called. Father, we pray that you'll continue to direct us as a church, that we may see uh, our goal of being full in Christ, that we may be Christ-like in all that we do, seeking to serve you, seeking to to do the mission, to, to seek to proclaim Christ, for we ask in his name. Amen.